this week uh, is a message called uh, or titled The Limp. And uh, kind of as, as I've kick-started this year, I've been, um, I've been reading just the five. The, I've, I've started the process. <laughs> it's like the 7th of January. I'd be lying if I told you I've already read them. Um, but I've started the process of reading the first five books of the Bible. Um, just because I, I, I feel like I've lacked in my knowledge and my revelation of what the Torah actually uh, entails, which is the first five books of the Bible. Um, and I got, to, I got to this story that we're talking about tonight, and I haven't visited it in a while. Um, um, probably, gosh, maybe since Sunday school. This is kind of one of those Sunday school stories that they talk about. And if you've been in the church, you're like, oh yeah, he's going to talk about Jacob and he's wrestling with the man and he's got the limp. And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. But I feel like uh, um, we, I, I read five books to Miller every single night. And I feel like the children's version of some of these Bible stories are absolutely bogus. They're beautiful because they stick with you and you remember them. But in the same breath, it's just like, oh, yeah, David just took a stone and took and hit Goliath in the forehead and then voila. But there's like so much more to that story. And maybe we'll talk about that later. But um, this is one of those stories that I feel like uh, just is like, oh, yeah, he wrestled with God. And now he now he just limps around. And I feel like there's a lot of beauty in this story. And um, yeah, so I guess. I want to talk through this guy named Jacob tonight, okay? Not much. I'm not going to go very much in detail about him, but I'm going to focus on this one story. Um, so if you want to start uh, start turning to Genesis 32, that would be lovely. And if you know, I guess the only thing I need you to know so far about Jacob is that he was a man full of zeal. And everybody knows what zeal is, yes? No? Anybody want to help? Let's just kind of popcorn this around. What does zeal actually mean? Holy what? Okay, yeah, in Christian terms, yes. Nope. Well, kind of. Yeah, it's like, it's a great enthusiasm for a cause or an objective. Well, like somebody could have a lot of zeal for the Denver Broncos, right? Like, oh my gosh, I, I bleed orange and blue, right? That's, that's a lot of zeal and like, I will, nobody gets in the front of uh, whoever the quarterback is now, right? Uh, right, that kind of thing. Or you could have a lot of zeal for... Uh, any kind of like mob mentality kind of thing that uh, has happened in our culture lately, right? Taylor Swift fans have a lot of zeal, right? You can have a lot of zeal for anything. And, and uh, sorry, I'm going to call it Christian. Wyatt is right. It's, it's zeal. His zeal was steered towards the Lord in most sense. Yes? <laughs> he obviously got a little slippery in some areas, just like we all do. But Jacob's zeal was for the Lord. And he had much zeal, and it got it got him into some really great situations, and it got him into some really sketchy situations. Um, to paint you a picture, 
Jacob was the kind of guy who pursued his future wife for 14 years. 14 years, that's a committed man, yeah? In our culture, it's like, well, <laughs> if I don't have a kid in 14 years, it's a failure, right? No? All right. <laughs> I guess that was my generation. But or or like some of you guys are like, well, we went on a couple dates, and I guess maybe it's is it maybe is he in love with me or is he not? Is she? Does she? What's going on? Right? This Jacob guy was like, whoa, this is this is the girl of my dreams. I'm going after her, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Okay? And you can read in Jacob's entire story. Go ahead. Uh, I'm trying to give you an overview so we can get to the main text. Okay. Um, and we've also heard of Jacob's ladder. Yeah, does everybody have has everybody heard of Jacob's ladder? Yes? No? Anybody want to tell what Jacob's ladder is? It's this uh stairway the Yeah, it was this wild dream that Jacob got. Um that uh that there was literally a ladder or a stairway or whatever, something where angels ascended and descended from. And this was a hot spot, okay, if I can use that language. And it, it was this wild thing that he got invited to. And, and uh, um, uh, the Lord stood above it and even actually invited Jacob into the Abrahamic co covenant. Does everybody know what the Abrahamic covenant is? The blessings, all the multitudes, all of the fun stuff, right? The, that song, The Blessing. Um, and this is where I believe his zeal was really birthed, was this, this dream, this, this ladder that he saw. He was hungry to walk in covenant with the Lord. And I think oftentimes we forget about our covenant that we have with the Lord. I'll start kind of hitting some hits here, okay? I think oftentimes we forget that we are in covenant with the Lord. Does everybody know what that means? Like me and Madison are in covenant. Why? Because we're married. Right? We have made a commitment to each other that we are one, not only in our finances, our lives, everything has intertwined to one. Right? She even thinks the same way that I... No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that would be lording over her, and we don't do that here. Correct, boys? <laughs> Hello? Oh, my. If it helps, we're starting a guy's, the guy's study is going how to be man of God, and hopefully we'll touch on that. But um, I think we forget our, about our covenant that we have with the Lord. Like, oh, I, I gave my life to Jesus, and great, now I can just move on. Or I gave my life to Jesus, and it felt good in that moment, but now I'm just trying to recreate that moment the rest of my existence in my Christianity. And that just is not the way that it works. It's not the way that it works. Right? If you ask any of any any married couple, hey, was your wedding day just as good as today? They'll say, well, it's different. I wouldn't say that it's good or bad. It's just different. Our relationship with the Lord is the same way. I have first love fire that actually that literally met me when I was 17 years old. But my relationship with the Lord is very, very different from that place. And it can't be compared to it. Right? I can remember it. I can reflect on it. Part of my testimony. It's a wonderful thing. But if I'm maturing in the Lord, it shouldn't feel the same way. I should see new sides of his face. I should understand more about him and his entirety. And I should remember that I am in covenant. That I'm in commitment with him. 
a lot of us, a lot of us in the room and our generation, frankly, believes that our relationship with the Lord is more of an on-off switch. Of just like, I can turn my relationship with the Lord on when, it, when I need something, when I, when I have a quiet time or whatever it might be, but then I shut it off when I go to play whatever or when I go into my workplace or when I need to do this or that or this, right? You've, you've all heard this before and we're all, all, I hope, working on it. Yes? Hello? Right? Our relationships are not just on and off switches, right? At the end of the day, I'm friends with Zach no matter if I'm in the same room with him or if I'm not, right? That'd be really weird if, if Renee and Isabel were like, no, we're only friends when we're in the same room with each other. How healthy of, of a relationship would that be? How healthy of a covenant would that be? It wouldn't be a covenant at all, and it wouldn't be a relationship at all, correct? Are you hearing me? So there's something deeper that we need to understand about a covenant relationship. Any more so than it would just be super, super weird if um, me and Madison were only married when we were together. <laughs> and I just could do whatever I wanted outside, right? Like We weren't married anymore. That would be ludicrous, right? Hello? Yes, Lex, that would be weird. Yes, Lex, that would be weird. Say that. Okay, good. All right. I just want to make sure that we have a pulse tonight. Um, we need to stop treating the Lord that way, I guess is my point, okay? We are in a covenant relationship with the Lord, and it needs to be taken seriously. And there needs to be some sort of zeal attached to it, yes? There needs to be some kind of excitement attached to our relationship with the Lord, where I actually want to do something with it. Not in the sense of uh, that I want to just shove, shove everything down somebody's throat and just say, hey, I'm going to hit you with this if you don't say yes to me, right? That doesn't work. Hello? Okay. But there is a form of zeal of I want to pursue the Lord with everything that I have. Yes? And my relationship with the Lord is not determined on how many healings I've been a part of, how many prophetic words I've been a part of, how many people I've led to the Lord. It's all just a part of my relationship being just infatuated with him. Hello? That's covenant. That is a, that's a covenant relationship that has some fervor and some zeal to it. Does that make sense? What I mean is when we say yes to Jesus, we're not signing up just for an afterlife destination, but a kingdom now reality. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. When we say yes to Jesus, we're not signing up for just an afterlife destination. We're signing up for a kingdom now reality. Most Christians today are just like, I just want to go to heaven. That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> but that's a good start, okay? It's a good start. If you end there, whoopsie-daisy, okay? Uh, hopefully I see you there, okay? Right? But I'm signing up for a kingdom now reality. Jacob understood the reality of a covenant that is to be walked out on earth. Okay? And this covenant was a covenant of prosperity, generational legacy, and a blessed land. If you want to look at it more, go to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3 on your own time. Okay? 
Our yes for the Lord is beyond destination. It's here and now. With me. Thanks, Wyatt. A life in covenant is a life with heaven realities invading our earthly realities. Just like Jacob's ladder dream, heaven ascending and descending over us. Hello? And Jacob called this place Bethel, which is a house of God. Yes? That's pretty cool, right? Because then we can attach some things. The call of our covenant with the Lord is for us to be temples, houses of God, that gives the Lord privilege to invade the earth through me. Ah. Uh. We were actually Pentecostal, you'd be excited about that. Huh? I don't know what you said. This is proper zeal. This is proper zeal of me understanding that the Lord sees me as a house of God, and I need to walk in that authority and that reality of a Christian living in covenant with proper zeal. Am I saying that we can boss around angels? No, that was that was a, that was a different heresy that I'm not talking about tonight. Okay, does all this make sense? Okay, great. So, is everybody at uh, Genesis 32? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna go verses uh, 22 through 32, and I'm gonna read this in its entirety first, and then we're gonna kind of break it down and have some fun. Okay? You guys with me? Yeah. Okay. Good. Let me take a drink. Verse 22, the same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford to the ford of the uh, Jabbok, is what I'll call it. Verse 23, he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of a joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until or unless you bless me. 27. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have uh, striven, striven. What is that? For you have striven with God. I don't know. Struggled. So, <laughs> for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Verse 29. Then Jacob asked, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the, called the, uh, the name of that place. Uh, uh, what is that? Peniel? Sounds good. Saying or meaning, for I've seen God's face Sorry, for I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up, and he passed uh, Penuel, yeah, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel shall not eat the sinew of the thigh that is of the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What is it? Sinew? Whatever. You got the point. And that has nothing to do with the message. Okay? Crazy story, yes? Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> look, 
It's insane. For me. Verses 24 and 25, I wanna, I'm want to. i going to reread them again, and then we'll talk through them, okay? Um, uh, 22 through 23 is just kind of a backdrop, and that's, that's cool, but we'll, for the sake of time. 24, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when Jacob saw that he did not prevail, or sorry, and when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint when he wrestled with him. Okay, so on paper, this I feel like this seems like kind of a random story, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's just like, <laughs> all of a sudden, this dude approaches him and just starts wrestling with him, <laughs> right? Like, that's weird. Like, that's never happened to me. <laughs> Good thing, because I would lose, right? <laughs> But, like, that's insane. Um, and I think um, what I believe this is, this man, obviously, is not just any, any dude, right? It's not just a thug walking on the streets. What I believe, this is actually a theophany of, who, uh, of Jesus. Okay? That's what I believe. Other people say different things. But I believe that this is a theophany, meaning Jesus before he was incarnate um, uh, in New Testament kind of talk. Yes? Okay. I believe that this was a theophany of Jesus. And why a wrestling match? Anybody ever thought, why did they decide to just, you know, did they put spandex on and just start, yeah, let's get it, right? <laughs> like, why a wrestling match? Why would they decide to do it this way? Why wouldn't Jesus just say, hey, I've got something for you, right? Jesus has dazzled many, many people by just what has come out of his mouth, right? But he decided to wrestle this man named Jacob. But look at something for me. Jacob, oh, sorry, look at something. Uh, Jacob didn't wrestle the man. Rather, the man wrestled with Jacob. And I think it's important that we understand those, the differences. Jacob didn't say, hey, let's fight. The man approached him or the... Jesus approached him and said, hey, we're going to wrestle. The, the Lord wanted to wrestle something out of Jacob. He wanted to get something out of him. Not money, <laughs> not something like that, but he wanted to get something out of Jacob that Jacob has struggled with. Does anybody know what? Fear, okay. Do-it-himself mentality. Do mentality. What else? Those are good. His name, his identity, right? That was, was replaced. Are you right? His, what I believe is he wanted to wrestle out his proud self-reliance and his fleshly scheming. This guy was a scheming dude. He would do whatever it took to get the upper hand. He did all sorts of crazy sketchy, controversial things to get the upper hand. And the Lord was willing to take it by force, for lack of a better term. He was willing to get in the trenches and wrestle this out of this man. And the Lord, uh, is, the Lord was willing to wrestle out as much of Jacob's own strength and wisdom. Keyword, own. 
I feel like we need to understand that we are pretty smart. But that has to die in submission to how smart the Lord is over us. Does that make sense? His wisdom conquers all, yes? He's got bigger, bigger things than we could ever think of. And what I think is hilarious is this wrestling match lasted all the way through the night. This was a long match. Anybody ever been in a fight here? How long did it last? Isabel's dragging girls by their hair. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wow. Right? Think of like a wrestling match that you see in like the Olympics. They're not that long. This was all the way through the night. How did Jacob wrestle so long? How did he do this? Remember, he was a man of zeal. He had a lot of passion. A lot of gusto. Yeah? He was the kind of guy who was like, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to make this, I'm going to prove myself right. Right? Even if I'm way off on this, I'm going to prove myself right. That's how much zeal he had. What's crazy is it says, when the man saw he had not prevailed against him, this, this phrase, it, stu- it stuck out to me. As, as this fight continued, it seemed like it was almost an even match. It seemed like. Okay, I'm not too crazy. It seemed like it was an even, even match. But we know that the theophany of Jesus could have won at any moment, yes? But he wanted to exhaust Jacob. His goal was to make Jacob completely dependent on him. At the moment the match went long enough, the man touched Jacob's hip and his hip was dislocated. And we get to verse 26. And it reads this. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, did you catch that? Jesus says, I'm just going to say it that way. Jesus says, let me go, for the day has broken. And Jacob replies, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man let Jacob know that the match was coming to a close, yes? Even though Jacob clung so desperately to him, Jacob lost. And a greater man had won. Have you guys ever wrestled with God? Have you ever wrestled with God? Because this is almost inviting us into, hey, it's okay. I heard a pastor once say, the Lord is really big. He can take your punch. He can take your frustration. He can take your anger. He can take your, your strong will. And he actually wants it. Many of you know that he actually wants it. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me still? I feel like this is a valuable place for us all to get to is wrestling with God. Wrestling with the reality of who he is. 
not in the sense of making him lesser or anything like that, but actually the invitation that this story is giving us to wrestle with him to the point where there's nothing left of me. To the point where he actually gets us to a place where he's conquered us. Because I feel like we're hanging on, right? And I feel like that's why a lot of us are tired. That's why a lot of us are stressed. That's why a lot of us are anxious. That's why a lot of us are worried and, and worried about the future and all of these different things is because he, we're in this wrestling match with him of saying, no, I want that. I want to hang on to that. I want that. I want to actually beat you in this wrestling match. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? I want to beat you in this wrestling match. But the only way that we win in a wrestling match with God is when he wins. Because that means he's conquered us. I know that's a weird way to put it, but that's the place where we want to be. When he has truly conquered us. Meaning that there's nothing left of me. I am completely dependent on him and him alone. My strong will is no more because I'm dependent on him. My anger is no more because I'm dependent on him. My, my stress is no more because I know that he, he's conquered me and he's, got out, he's living. You get it? There's something to be said for every, every person to wrestle with God and them acknowledging God's greatness after being defeated. We must know we serve a God who is greater than us and we cannot conquer much of anything until he conquers us. And then Jacob says something, what I believe to be just profound. I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And this is his zeal showing again, right? This is his desperation for wanting more of the Lord. But I will not let you go. He's got, the, he's got Jesus bear hugged saying, no, I'm not losing this match. I'm not losing this match. And even though you are about to beat me, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And this could apply to all sorts of different things, right? The one I want to pick on is your prayer life. I will not let go of this prayer until you bless me. Until you hear me. Until you do something. That age-old acronym, right? Push. Pray until something happens. I will not let go until you bless me. Have we ever taken that stance in our prayer lives? Or is it just like, well, I've prayed twice about it. <laughs> we went on two dates. I'm not really pursuing that, that hard. You get what I'm talking about? You see what covenant relationship looks like? You see it? You see what a covenant relationship looks like? Jacob understood that. He pursued this, that woman, 14 years, yes? He was persistent, baby, yeah? And now here he is, wrestling with God Almighty himself. 
I will not let go until you bless me. What if we just took an ounce of that in our prayer lives? What if we took an ounce of that into our scripture reading lives? What if we took an ounce of that in whatever spiritual aspect that you want to plug it into? Worship. What if we took some of that and said, I will not let go until. And you're like, well, isn't that forcing God? No, he's still God. And guess what? He's still one. But the blessing came. Yeah. Because we read the entire story, yes? I feel like sometimes for us, I mean, here we are. We're in Centennial, Colorado, right? Pretty plush life. No. At the end of the day, we're pretty favored just to be in this city right now. Yes? And you're like, well, you don't know much. I'm impoverished. Shut up. You're an idiot if you think that. Living in your parents' basement is not impoverished. Yeah. Yeah, they finished it for you. And the way we, most of us have our lives set up is I can work harder so that I can survive and make more money and provide for myself, yes? All of us have that capability. Whether we want to or not, you have that capability of I can work harder and that therefore my commission checks will be bigger. You can work harder and therefore you'll get overtime and voila, your checks will be bigger. You get it? You can really make a way for yourself if you really wanted to, yes? you're old enough, you could download the Uber app and start driving for Uber, <laughs> right? There's ways to make money because we're in Centennial, Colorado, and we're, we're pretty favored. But what took place in this wrestling match with God was that Jacob had to come to the end of himself and saying, I will not let go until you bless me is him acknowledging that he needs the Lord's blessing and favor on his life or else his entire life is doomed. So I brought up us living in Centennial, Colorado, yeah? Jacob was not just some ho-hum kind of guy. He was pretty highly favored as it was. Yes? This wrestling match took so much out of Jacob, took so much out of his flesh, took so much out of his strength, out of his quote-unquote will, if I can even say that, that he understood if he didn't get the blessing from the Lord, he was absolutely doomed. Are you hearing me? So what's that mean for us today sitting in this room? It means that our American version of Christianity has diluted us to such an extent that we're like, well, I could just use a little smidgen of God and I'll be okay. I don't really need him that much. I've got a job. My parents still help me. I could be a couple days late on my rent. It's not a huge deal. Right? We live in Centennial, Colorado. Does it make sense? Are you with me? He understood that if he didn't get the blessing of the Lord, he was screwed. He had nothing else. 
even though he had a full life to go back to. Yes? Are you getting what I'm talking about? He could now only rely on the blessing of the Lord. He couldn't rely on his career or resume anymore. He couldn't rely on his own zeal or dedication or even work ethic anymore. And he couldn't rely on his craftiness anymore. He came to the end of himself because of this wrestling match, yes? Jacob was reintroduced to a place where he could only cling to the Lord with everything that he had, and he couldn't fight anymore. He, all he had to do was cling to the Lord. When's the last time you clung to the Lord for provision? When's the last time you clung to the Lord for any type of blessing? Or did you just send your parents a Venmo request? Or did you just ask your boss for an advance? Are you hearing me? When's the last time you literally had to cling to the Lord for complete reliance? You're like, well, I don't think ever, Lex. Well, the, the picture I'm trying to paint for you is Jacob understood that now he had to. He came to the end of himself. He could no longer be independent aside from the blessing of the Lord. See, in this whole wrestling match was a cause of Jacob created a mess and then fleeing from a, a man named Esau who he thought was his enemy. But little did Jacob know that Jacob himself was his greatest enemy. The real enemy was his pride, his fleshly nature, and it needed to be conquered by God. Are you still with me? Are you getting this? Man, I really hope I'm communicating this right. Because if you grab just... I mean, if you grab this, it's going to be wonderful for you. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 27, 29. Or 329. And he said to him, what is your name? And Jacob replied, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have uh, struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Uh, and yeah, 29. Then Jacob asked, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So this is what Zach kind of hinted at too. What is your name, Jacob? What's your name? Right? And if you know anything about Jacob, he was a man who was very proud of his name. Why? Because he had great zeal. Yes? Right? Just like you're proud of your name, the name you might have created for yourself. Right? I'm proud of it. Right? Everybody knows me by Lex. Right? I'm proud of my name. I'm proud of my reputation. I'm proud of what comes with my name, that I'm Miller's dad and Madison's husband. Right? I'm proud of that. It's something, it means something to me. Yes? 
But when, when Jesus asked him, what is your name? What do you think actually overcame him? Think he was proud in that moment? I mean, he just lost a wrestling match, right? Nobody likes their, their name announced on the intercom of saying, and your loser is Jacob. Nobody likes that, yes? I've never experienced that, but nobody likes that, I've heard. Just joking. Nobody, nobody's even listening anymore, right? <laughs> or else you would have laughed a little bit. His name carried something, but now it carried something different. A sense of shame it probably carried, right? He was admitting that his name was Jacob, and he just lost the wrestling match. And now it's, uh, and it's all of its associations of the deception that he, he dabbled in and the, and the cheating that he dabbled in in his previous, before this wrestling match, right? Yet it was who he was, and Jacob then, here he was, having to admit it. We all want to name ourselves favor, favorably, and God wouldn't allow Jacob to cover his name up anymore. Because in this case, it reflected his true nature. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And I just thought this was cool, so bear with me for a second, and then we'll get back into more preaching. But Israel is a compound of two words. First one, Sarah, and second, El. Yeah? Okay, whatever. Sarah and El. Sarah meaning fight, struggle, rule, and El meaning God, okay? And some take the name Israel to mean he who struggles with God or he who rules with God, but in Hebrew names, sometimes God is not the object of the verb, but the subject. So like, I know this probably maybe too much, but Daniel means like God judges, not he judges God. Does that make sense? So this principle shows Israel likely means God rules. Are you seeing what's taking place in this story? Are you? Oh man, I really hope you are. He's stripping away his old name, Jacob, and saying, here's your new name because you've been conquered by me. And now you're named God rules. Meaning, I've been conquered by God Almighty, and he rules over me. Yes? Hello? Are you getting the beauty of this? I think that's absolutely incredible. And I feel like that the lives, many of us, alternate between Israel and Jacob. Sometimes we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and other times we cry and say <laughs> who is sufficient of these things and the and uh, you know what's going on in my life I'm, I'm i'm oh my gosh right and like royalty where we prevail with god and are true israels but maybe the sun goes down and we limp like jacob and though our spirit will be willing our flesh is also very weak But a lot of us need to understand that we are Jacob before we're Israel, and we're Jacob when we are Israel. And we are Israels with God 
when we cease to be Jacob's among men. What am I saying? Nobody knows. Is that too much? He's shifting something in us when he conquers us. He's removing identity and replacing it with proper. Hello? When you've been truly conquered by God Almighty, meaning your flesh is dead, like Paul invites us into, right? This is nothing new that we're talking about, just in a different kind of umbrella, right? When my flesh is dead, he is the one who conquers. Yes? And therefore, my identity is made pure and proper because he's now living through me. He's ruling over me and through me. Yes? Are you getting me? Isn't that cool? Jacob prevailed in the sense that he endured through his struggle until God thoroughly conquered him. When you battle with God, the only you only win by losing and by not giving up until you have until you know that you've lost. This is how Jacob prevailed. Do you see how this is a win-win? A lot of us are like, "Oh man, Jacob lost. Poor Jacob." No, he still won. How did he win if he lost? Well, because he won. He won because now he is conquered by God Almighty and he got the Lord's blessing. What's more important to you? Your old identity, your old man, or the blessing of the Lord resting upon your shoulders and walking in that kind of authority? What's more important to you? You've got to ask yourself that question. I can't convince you of it tonight. You have to ask yourself the question, what's more important to me? The way I'm living now or the Lord conquering me and saying, hey, Lex, I want more for you. What you've, what you've done in your life so far is only scratching the surface of a fully conquered life unto me. In a sense, but I, I feel like we're thinking of the wrong thing, even with that question. How can, I, how can I cling to the Lord as hard as I possibly can so I can get a blessed life? Some of us call a wrestling match with the Lord, and we're actually just punching ourselves in the face. A lot of us do that, actually. It's like, oh, man, I'm wrestling with the Lord. Oh. Frick, I'm such a victim. Oh, I suck. Yeah, you do. Stop punching yourself in the head. Wake up and say, Lord, conquer me. Do you understand that your best life starts when you lose your life and start living for him? This life is not about living our best life. It's actually about dying so that we can live for him. Hello? Whatever Jacob needed, 
God's blessing provided in a provided it in a moment. Cool story, yeah. So what do we what do we take away from it? Oh, the limp. Let me talk about the limp. Here's the one phrase I've got for the limp. <laughs> Sorry. Here's the one one thing, and this is all it deserves. Every step that Jacob took the rest of his life, he remembered that moment. And that was enough. And that's why the limp took place. You understand that a conquered life, you understand every step that you take, you are conquered. Oh, I'm conquered. I'm conquered. I'm living for the Lord. I'm living for the Lord. His was just very, very visible. Yeah? Every step he took was a reminder of him being conquered by God. Okay? So what do we do? Well, pick your battles. Pick your wrestling match. Right? Say, Lord, am I wrestling with you or are you wrestling with me? My ego wrestling with you, God, or are you trying to work something out in me? There's a big difference. You hearing me? Huge difference. I can't just go pick fights with God. <laughs> you need to ask him, hey, what's going on in me? What's going on in me so that I can be more like you, so that you can conquer that area, that, that space in my life, that sphere in my life, whatever you want to call it. What is pulling me away from you, Lord? And what are you going to do with it? And are you going to remember it every step that you take the rest of your life? Are you with me? Does this make sense? Yes? Okay. I think that's all I've got. Cool? You got his blessing. Isn't that beautiful? Are you annoyed by that question? What's your beef with? I know. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would point out the areas that you need to wrestle something out in us. And that you would start that process tonight. You would wrestle out our egos, our agendas, our plans, our privilege. So that we can be a conquered people. Lord, we understand the beauty of it, that you will bless us. But we just want to be closer to you. Lord, would you just make us a people who are closer to you?
Lord, I pray that our zeal wouldn't get in the way of what work you want to do through us and what work you want to do in us. Lord, I pray that our entitlement wouldn't get in the way of what you want to do through us, what you want to do with us. Lord, I pray that our victim and impoverished thinking wouldn't get in the way of the work that you want to do in us as well that we would cling to you above all else and that we would be a people reliant on the blessing of the Lord and the provision over our lives. In Jesus' name. Questions? Thoughts?